0: This is In Goal Radio, the podcast. Make sure you go to your favorite podcast provider, rate, like, subscribe. I mention this because it really does help us out. And helping us out helps you out because we create more content and thus you learn more. And it's a vicious cycle. Actually, it's not even vicious. It's just a fun cycle that goes around and around. So go to your favorite podcast subscriber, provider, and rate, like, and subscribe i'm darren millard welcome to ingold radio the podcast with your co-founders david hutchison and kevin woodley uh woody how are you guys making out in the lower mainland it's uh we're doing okay
1: i think uh i i'm used to sort of living in my basement and working from home so this adjustment for me has maybe been a little <laughs> bit smoother than it has been for others but we're
0: getting there uh hutch uh, on vancouver island Everything continuing
2: at uh, uh, the pace that we now know the world to be at? I'd like Woody, I, I work from home normally, so things feel sort of normal. I saw somebody on Twitter the other day say, um, you know, this situation for an introvert, this is my Super Bowl. I've been training for this for years. Um, it, it's, it's actually not bad being at home and working. And, and of course, it's March break mm-hmm. normally for the kids. But uh, once you get out there, uh, you really feel the reality of what's happening. And, uh, and it is difficult when you get away from home for sure, eh, Woody?
1: Yeah, and I was going to say the one caveat would be, you're right, right now the kids would have been home anyways. But as a guy who's used to working from home, the concept of doing it for potentially months at a time here with the kids also at home with me uh, has made for some interesting times. Not challenging, fun, some, some more family time. Unfortunately, I tend to lose a few bets uh, around board games or even the odd pool game. Uh, So far, I've been forced to learn a TikTok dance as punishment for one such loss. And if you keep an eye on our social media later tonight, you may see me completely made up as in my daughter won a bet and I now have to let her use me as her makeup doll tonight. So Kevin Woodley and Drag coming to an Instagram near you. This is one of the downsides of being stuck at home with teenage daughters.
0: Well there's a whole social commentary and uh, social media uh, channel really that's uh, that's exploded uh, on this idea of what you're doing during the pause in sports as uh, as the virus uh, runs its course through North America and globally and uh, and there's some some really interesting things and uh, and you shouldn't lose track of the fact that it's scary, it's serious and uh, you better do your part if you think it's uh, it's an inconvenience to be uh, on, uh, on a place or in an area where it's, uh, essential services only, uh, just, uh, get sick. And then you'll figure out that it's, uh, that they're a whole nother level. So, uh, first responders, nurses, doctors doing their part, uh, we should all subscribe and do ours as well.
2: Amen. I think, I think, you know, as a, as a goalie parent, we all get to this time of year and you get that old fear of missing out, you know, better sign my kid up for spring hockey, better put my kid in more camps, better do more more more. And yet we hear the experts say all the time, uh time to take a break, let them recharge, let them miss hockey. So I think maybe there's a blessing in disguise if there if there can be one. Um yeah, we have to look for a few positives and that's that our kids are away from the rink now for a while. Uh but there's no no fear of missing out because everybody's missing out right now. So Hopefully they're running around the backyard. They're doing a little bit of fitness. They're riding their bikes, whatever. But, uh, but I think this break could, could be good for, for a lot of reasons.
0: Right, yeah, And there's, there's, that's still okay. Being outside yeah. social, yeah. Be, be conscious of being, uh, socially distant and, uh, and maintain that, uh, that space between each other, but you can still do uh, a lot of things and participate in, uh, in a lot of activities as long as you're practicing the proper protocols. Social distancing. Mm-hmm. I would also like to thank my wife for buying a
1: Peloton before Christmas because I'm not going to get totally out of shape here amidst all this. I can ride the bloody Peloton bike. Really? Yeah, yeah I, that's I, awesome. I,
0: I I predict that there's three shirts on that thing by next Thursday. Just hanging. <laughs>
3: <laughs> is that no riding in a real Peloton though? Okay, that's so so so
1: as I pan, and of course our listeners won't be able to see this, as I pan my office, the back of oh, it that's is awesome. a gym. And there's the old, I'd for like sure to say that on it. there are jerseys hanging off the Bowmax climber, Darren. So, but I think that's just because I now have the Peloton as an option,
0: not because I've <laughs> <You've> moved on.
2: <laughs> hey, speaking uh, of, speaking of the listeners, not being able to see what Woody what was just panning to, uh, for the first time our feature interview this week was actually done on video as well. And we put it up on premium for all our subscribers. So one little benefit of Ingle premium is that you may see a few more of our feature interviews uh, in person as well, and there were some demonstrations there that made it made it good to see in person. But I was thinking of that because you boys both mentioned TikTok dances. Uh, like, if I wish we could have some challenge, you know, if we could say if this got enough likes, the three of us would do a TikTok dance together sure. on video next week or something. I, I
0: have no I idea what to, what the
2: relevant uh, how comparable that. would be, but
0: I'm yeah. in.
1: Maybe we get guys. It's a lot harder than you think it is. I, I mean, it well, took me twenty well, we minutes. to we could all to have our daughters what daughter's on with daughter with me as well. Was the simplest TikTok yeah. dance ever. Which one? So, which
0: one did you do? Because I've done a
1: couple. I, I don't know if there was a name on it, but there's the a lot one with of the hands. Sh- there's there was hands. There was hands, hands up. There was all hands of, that's down. The there's, there was there there was a shimmy. There might have been a shake. Um, there might have been a shimmy and a shake.
0: Oh, you did the one with the hands and the shimmy and the shake yeah that's the I
1: did the same one, but rarely in the order <laughs> or timing with which I was supposed to deliver it was it was listen you know hidden blessings comedy it was fun. we played a lot of board <laughs> games it forced family time at a at, at a time when we would normally be running to a music lesson here uh in my case, a club volleyball game or practice there like six nights a week, that sort of quiet family time in the evening as my daughter's um, quite reverent at the age of 12. She wrote in her journal the other night though, that, um, that, that, that she thought this was a blessing because we were having more of this time. So she kind of made my heart weep a little bit there. It's getting sappy in here.
0: And if you do, uh, that, that is beautiful. And when your kids say that's one of those ones where oh, it makes it, uh, all the stressful times, uh, worthwhile. But, uh, as you do play catch up, uh, because there's no games and there's only classic games, no live games, no new games uh being played uh it's a it's a great opportunity to to uh go through ingle premium subscribe and uh, and really sink your teeth into into that product that we have on a subscription basis right now hutch
2: yeah we've got all sorts of great stuff now that woody and i have a little bit of extra time away from some of the other duties we're getting a little bit more content up there and and uh, i think a lot of people are enjoying the fact that there's some some goaltending you know, information that they can digest and enjoy and learn from at uh, at this tough time of year. Um, few things that are new, of course. I already mentioned that we've got this week's feature interview with Dusty Emu up on video, and that's uh, fun to see. We've got a couple of new pro drills and pro tips up on the site this week. Uh, uh, Mikey Pietro and Ian Clark working on some stuff. Uh, also, a bit of a psychology component, managing your own game in there. Got some interesting stuff from Rob Tallis and James Reimer, looking at the use of the paddle down on wrap arounds um we've got an interview with well it's A Q&A session with Kerry price uh, from eli wilson's camp last summer where he sat down in the room with all the kids and let them ask questions um we've got some a pro read with Kerry price we got you know all sorts of good stuff coming up all the time and and really glad that people have have chosen to join us there because you know less than a dollar a week and that's canadian so that's about 25 cents in your money darren Mm-hmm. uh just a great opportunity for people to get involved and enjoy goaltending and, and we thank everybody who's become part of that community there and where can they uh they find all the content uh real simple ingolmag.com slash magazine and uh, or you could just go to ingoalmag.com and you'll find a link real easy the home page is now open and the first little while it wasn't so you can actually go on there you can see every article that's been published uh, you can use the menu to go to the different categories. We've got pro reads, we've got uh, pro drills, pro gear. We've got some stuff on the mental game, some stuff on fitness. A uh, lo- lot of good stuff up there. You can go through. You can see every article that's available, and there's about 71, 72 of them published so far. Um, can't get in to see the articles, of course, until you're a member. But at least gives you an idea what it is that you'll see and the quality of of what's in front of you. And uh, and then once you're a subscriber. Uh, there's two different ways of doing it. You can do it monthly. And if it's a monthly subscription, you get access to obviously everything going forward and uh, 31 days of content prior to when you joined. A little bit like a regular magazine. If you you uh, you know you buy a magazine off the shelf, uh, you only get that issue and everything coming forward. So we're giving you a previous month. Uh, but if you're an annual member, you get access to the entire archive uh, of everything that's in there. Uh, much better deal, obviously, close to 40% less than doing it on a monthly basis. And uh, yeah, that's about it, isn't it, Kevin? Anything I'm missing in there?
1: Well, I was just gonna say the annual subscription is fifty dollars, and it's key to note that that is in Canadian. So for all our listeners on the other side of the border, last I checked, our dollar was worth about sixty-nine cents. So ha, it's it's practic We're practically giving it away in America. It's uh, it's there's a lot of good stuff in there, and there's a lot of good stuff coming. Um, you know, trying to look on bright sides here, uh, working on some pro read material with some current NHL goaltenders. This time of year into March and February, uh, not a lot of practice days when the NHL season was going. It was getting harder and harder to get guys in person when they came in through Vancouver. Uh, you know, early in the year, we had Freddie Anderson sit down with us and spend 15 minutes going over video and sharing his reads with us. And we're still rolling those out over time but it was harder to get those types of interviews as we got closer to what should have been the playoffs. Um, this is going to free things up um, a little bit in terms of using our connections, using some of the relationships we've built. So uh, given the guys around the league a little time right now, uh, you, as we know, NHL teams have allowed their players the option to go home to their home cities just on Monday. So we've got a lot of guys who are in transit right now, leaving their NHL cities and going to their hometowns. Uh, but once they get settled, some promises from some guys via text and, and whatnot, uh, that they'll do some video sessions with us, that we'll have some more pro reads, as well as interviews uh, for In Goal Radio, the podcast, some more In Goal pro reads where they'll go over video and share their reads. And I think that's, uh, that's, that's one that I think a lot of people have enjoyed, And one that I think you know, we talk about how can you get better when you're not able to go on the ice. One would be physical and training. I'd recommend checking out someone like Maria Mountain, who's excellent and has a lot of resources out there already online uh, to help you work on an off-season plan, uh, but also seeing how other goalies read the game. It's not something you know anybody else really gets a chance to do, and it's something we do in pro read. So as you were saying, Hacha, you did the math quickly there, $34 a month, or sorry, a year U.S. For InGoal premium more than 70 articles up already averaging close to 20 a month so we're trying to bring good material to you um and yeah go subscribe
2: hey speaking of uh speaking of maria mountain and we do have three articles that uh are up on premium from maria they're exclusive uh to InGoal subscribers if you've been on the uh on the web before checking out maria's stuff she publishes short videos pretty much every day but she did some really in-depth stuff for us and we want to thank her for that, but uh, over the next couple of weeks, we are going to try a couple of webinars online for our members only. Uh, Pete Fry, the goalie mindset guy who has done some articles for us on premium as well, is going to come on and do a, a seminar for our, our 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 readers, our listeners, um, our members, and they'll be able to ask him some questions. And uh, Maria has also agreed to come on and do a webinar for our members as well. So just an opportunity now for for you, uh, to interact a little bit with these guys, ask them your own questions. Um, yeah, it should be, should be a fun experience for everybody. Looking forward to both those. Uh, Maria is one
0: of my favorites and, uh, and Pete is fascinating. If video is your thing, you like to sit there and watch a, a conversation, uh, as opposed to just, uh, throwing it on the podcast and, and riding around town with it, uh, then our feature interview this week, Dusty Emu is available on the uh, premier edition uh, so you can catch that uh, right now it's uh, in its audio form uh Dusty's an interesting guy uh been around the game uh, he's a lifer a Western Hockey League uh, Olympian uh with the uh, Nagano Olympics and then a professional goalie coach in North America and spent this last season with the KHL uh in Beijing and uh that is um, timely in the sense of uh Ah, uh, where oh, COVID nineteen has originated and uh, how it's uh, running its course. So he's dealt with it at the start, and uh, and now uh, at this uh, stage when he's back home in North America in the lower mainland. So Dusty Emu, second timer on Ingle Radio, the podcast is our feature interview with Kevin Woodley. Ingle Radio, the podcast. <laughs>
1: All right. Well, we promised. So this is sort of a two-parter with Dusty Emu because we talked to you before you left to to go coach in China for a KHL team, Kunlin Red Star. Mm -hmm. But the original intent was just to get your experiences right. We caught up on your career and the path to here. And then we're like, we want to know what it was like in the KHL. Well, now we welcome you back. And it's not just life in the KHL. You were ground zero for I guess the only thing we can call it now is a pandemic. And now you're home and you're seeing this in North America. So walk me through, like, at what point did you know you were in the midst of all this and the team was going to have to basically leave China and become a completely mobile operation?
3: Yeah, it was really an odd situation because it didn't seem like anything big uh and and then it went from zero to a hundred really fast um i can't remember the exact dates but we played a game i think it was on the 21st or 22nd of january at home in beijing and uh we had heard stuff about uh the the virus uh but it wasn't really a, a big deal at that time that's what we thought anyways and then um after the game, we were on our way back to the hotel where the coaches, we all live, and we're all in our same uh, driver that drives us. We're sitting in the van, and, and Fraz, Kurt Fraser, got a phone call from the GM, and it went that they were discussing right there that uh, uh, we uh, might not be coming back. Because the next morning, we were supposed to fly out. Uh, the next morning, we were supposed to fly out to Russia on a short road trip. and uh, But they weren't sure and that maybe they should suggest to, to offer to the, the wives and families to be able to come on a plane with us because we charter. And um, so we were packing, not really knowing. Uh, so we packed a suitcase, and I packed up all my other stuff uh, at the hotel put it down in storage at the hotel. And sure enough, by the time we got to Russia, it was official that the league was saying no teams were going to be allowed back in China. So now we were on the road and we're going to stay on the road for the rest of the season.
1: And that's like, so late, you yeah, know, like, what are we talking here? Like you guys were yeah, on the road for what, five weeks, six
3: weeks. Uh, yeah, it was the third, I think it ended up being 30, I don't know, o- over a month. And, uh, uh we just kind of bounced around and most of that road trip most of the time would have been road trips anyways uh but when we had the home games they just slapped our logo on the ice and (laughs) it was a home game
1: wow what 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 are the challenges of that like what you know in terms of just living uh coaching managing players and people as they go through you know what was it scary in terms of managing the emotions of that or just the logistics of it dusty and and bouncing around like that and never you know we we hear a lot you know even in the NHL when you're on the road practices disappear so were you able to get practice time how hard was this on on your team and on your your goalies
3: um it was a it was a really interesting challenge for sure like it, for me you know I could, could bitch and moan about, you know, the stuff that was going on, but like it was the, the players are really, my hat went off to them and, and what they dealt with it, having to go out in the ice and play. Like for me, coaching is one thing, but to actually, what, what that team went through all year <laughs> and then to, all year, the travel and everything that went on was crazy for this team. And then to cap it off with the, the whole virus thing and not being allowed to go back home like i packed my stuff and it was in the storage of the hotel but all the other guys left with all of their stuff in their apartments leases still open uh everything unpacked and then knowing that they're not going to be allowed back uh was a lot to, to deal with and then just to be on the road all the time and like you said the practice time uh, the actual working on stuff, you know, really dropped off. And uh, it, it wasn't hard for me to work around that. I, I, I felt that stuff for me is easy to manage. It, it was more the um, mentally they were they were spent by the end. Like you, you could see it. Uh, we needed to win that last game of the season uh, to make the playoffs. And another team needed to lose. And but you could just see as this, that month wore on, uh, they were giving it everything they had, but the players just didn't have a lot left in the tank. The, the goalies did an amazing job, uh, but we kind of fell short, and that's why I ended up back home.
1: Now, um, your goalies, Jeremy Smith, is a name that a lot of people would probably recognize, um, having played some in North America, I think originally part if i remember correctly drafted by the national predators and spent some time there at the beginning uh Simone hurubic if i'm saying that right i'm probably not cuz i suck that's
3: not bad okay not bad. okay
1: but he's also got uh some personality there if i remember correctly from seeing some highlights over in europe but he had some post game celebrations if i'm not mistaken um what what Keep were those two guys time. like yeah what They're was
3: both that awesome awesome guys uh they were a lot of fun to work with totally different people uh But we, um, how do I say, managed to uh, develop the same kind of unity and and, uh, team atmosphere within the the goalie bubble, the goalie union, much the same as we did when I had uh, Cal Peterson and Jack Campbell in Ontario. And um, they really just fed off each other all year. I ended up uh, splitting them right down the middle all year. And they each played the same amount of games and, uh, you know, they both are number one goalies in the sense that they wanted to be the guy, but they really embraced what kind of, I was trying to uh, preach and, and, uh, and just kind of support one another. And I think it really helped them get through that year, uh, the way the year went and just going and playing when they got in and, and, cheering on the other guy because it's kind of like you needed each other to get through that season
1: well and some pretty good seasons statistically at least i know maybe not in the win win loss column but we all know that's not a goalie stat right so mm-hmm. um you know looking at their numbers say percentage wise uh they had a pretty good year what walk us through because we talked about this before when we had you on the podcast last time we'll get back to coronavirus and things yeah, like yeah, that yeah, yeah. but but goalie stuff walk me through when you talk about that goalie bubble dusty and creating that that team, that camaraderie, that atmosphere that allows both guys to thrive. Some of the keys, some of the approaches you use to get everyone on the same page. How, how did it work this time compared to others? What are some of the you know focal points for you that allows you to have that success with them early on?
3: You know, over time, I kind of figured out that to get people to want to do something or, 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 or follow a philosophy or follow me or whatever, um, Sometimes it's better to develop, it is the better to develop the relationship first. I know you want to kind of, you want to, you want to preach, you're excited to teach what you think is right and good and will help. But if you come in hot up front, a lot of people aren't really very responsive to that. So I really took my time in developing the relationship first with them. And uh, we became really good friends first. and. Then you kind of start to develop that uh, philosophy and kind of guiding them into this uh, cheering on one another and being a team unit, uh, the two of them together. Uh, But if I had probably just said, hey, I want you guys to, both of you, you're going to cheer each other on and and you're going to split the games. And they probably would have been like, huh?
1: What's Uh, this guy all about?
3: Right. Right but the way I usually go about it is not up front. And and i introduce that as we go along and they really do. They really did embrace the fact that they needed each other. Um, I I think it doesn't matter, even though their season was incredibly difficult for any goalie tandem. I think it can only help if you're supporting one another.
1: Now, you mentioned, you know, getting into getting to know them first and building that camaraderie before you introduce changes or ask for changes. What did you find in the style of game over there that you had to adapt to in terms of whether it's what you asked of your goalies? Like, how was the game different and how did that affect the goaltenders? I've talked to guys who played over there as a while ago, going back to the last lockout where, you know, just pass, 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 dust it off from an open look and pass one more time, right? Like nobody no. shoots seems to be the mentality. How does that affect goaltenders? Positives, negatives? Uh, are there things that you could develop over there because of the style that you think would benefit guys when they come back you know, later in their career? We've seen guys come over and have success after playing in the K. What do you think of the game, the style and how it fit the goalies and, and adjustments?
3: oh it's it's definitely a different game, but like i it was no I, I was no stranger to that style of game because I played over there for a long time and in the, with the national program and stuff and the and world championships and stuff. so I wasn't too surprised about anything the The biggest thing for me um, the way the the types of things that I teach and the 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 things I encourage goalies to do uh, kind of help for that style of game and when you bounce back to North America, and that's using your edges uh, and, and working on your skating ability and and reading, reading the shot uh, and not just dropping and, and not just uh, playing from your knees. And I think when you get to a game like that, it really helps in that situation because you have to be more patient because they're not always shooting the puck. Uh, they're doing a lot of dusting it off, like you said, a lot of a lot of skill over there. Um, but it, then then it can translate over to a North American game. I think it's just as beneficial to be holding your feet and and reading shot um, in in any league. So yeah, it wasn't a big a deal for me. I the, if I was teaching something different, maybe it would have been an issue. But the way the things that I like to to help and incorporate it. It, it just kind of helped them out.
1: I haven't seen him play in a while, but I would guess from what I remember of Jeremy Smith, it would have suited his game. I always, at least early in his career, I thought of him as a good skater.
3: Yeah, 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 for sure. You know, there are some things that he kind of has had leaked into his game. I think that we kind of uh, talked about over time and addressed, like he was doing a lot of sliding and uh, getting a little bit hunched over, and his balance was a little bit off. Um, but we had fun working on all that stuff. He was really open. Uh, his, his, just the base of his game was very similar to uh, stuff in how I used to play, very similar to Soupy and, and Jack Campbell. He uh, <laughs> likes, to, likes to make the big saves and, and, uh, and, and dive around at times, which is cool. So he just, you know, worked on his skating, and his skating is really good. He just, you know, you when you bounce around from team to team, and you know, you get goalie coach to goalie coach, things change, <laughs> and and uh, sometimes it's it's a good thing to have someone like maybe like uh, with my style that can kind of just bring back you know what you really liked about yourself, you know.
1: Well, and I would imagine, too, like uh, I've talked to goalies about that over the years. It's tough when you bounce around. It's not just that different goalie coaches ask you to do different different things, but sometimes even things that may not suit your game, you feel like you have to do it because you need to make that guy that's asking you happy because he's probably the guy that decides whether you play or not. So sometimes, yes, we want goalies to embrace new ideas, but there comes a time where they have to learn what works for them and, and maybe trust that as well.
3: It's a tough spot, man. It really is. And then you know I I've been there. <laughs> I played through that and and uh it can be a real challenge to to kind of decide what you're going to do and not do because ultimately those are the guys <laughs> that make the decision.
1: Now, so, now and, you said tough and challenge. What was the toughest part at the beginning? Uh obviously those guys and I'm not sure about uh Harubik in terms of language. Um, obviously Jeremy is from North America, so no language barriers there, but you're in China. I know you've played overseas, obviously spent time overseas, but what were some of the unique challenges, um, even before the virus made you guys a permanent road team, uh, how tough was it? The long road trips, what was some, give me an idea of what a long road trip was from Beijing (laughs) to Russia. Like we're talking some epic plane rides here. What were, what were some of the biggest challenges, not just for you, but for these goalies?
3: Yeah, for me it was minimal. Like, I I would complain that I was tired. That that's basically it. And I, but I literally would go to the game and watch them play hockey in the same kind of state that I was in. So I I was like, my hat was off to those guys. But we're talking. You, you want to talk about epic road trips? Like, we used to cry and moan about going from LA to Toronto and say, oh, the time changed and oh four or five hour flight oh this sucks man that's it, when we had a four or five hour flight it was like we were just elated the, the trips were ridiculous we did one uh beijing to finland to helsinki and i think we were 18 hours 19 hours in the air we, we did a fuel stop and god knows where siberia i don't know and and then door-to-door door were like 28 hours or something. And then the guys played the next night. The next like night. It, it, and here's the kicker. Um, all the teams that would come to Beijing from Russia would, would schedule, play Saturday, Sunday. They would do play two games and then get out because they didn't want to go back to Beijing. It was long, brutal trip. They didn't like food, you know, these kinds of things. So they would schedule all the teams we never played one double header all year
1: so if you had two games against the team you had to go there twice
3: yeah we we every road game we did singles all year Literally. so like if we did an eight, eight, game, eight, eight game road trip it was eight different cities wow yeah that's and, that's got to have yeah, an effect and and we're talking like you're bouncing like multi time zone changes. We're not talking three four hours here. Like it's ridiculous. It's it's insane actually.
1: <laughs> Did you start to see that effect on? I mean, I imagine as the year went on, but have an effect physically?
3: Yeah, well, yeah. for sure, for sure. The, the at the very end, we actually tried something that the Russian teams do is. Uh, we stayed we we based in Moscow that last road trip, and and then we kind of would bounce around. But we stayed when once we got to Moscow, we stayed on Moscow time. so wherever we went, we would stay on Moscow time, so we would we would be practicing at eight, eight or nine o'clock at night. And, uh, and then eat at the same times that you would have been eating in Moscow. And then then go play the game. It was yeah. really odd.
1: Did it, did it work? Did you see a positive effect on it?
3: I, I was a mess. I, I was still <laughs> so, I so out of luck. But the players seemed to like it. They, they seemed to think it, was, it worked. I don't know.
1: Well, okay. you said you were tired just watching them when they were doing all the work. But managing that fact, fatigue for them i'm guessing and okay i'm not guessing because i've seen your instagram and your social media that meant you had to hop on the ice a little bit to give the guys a break you had the pads with you how many times did you end up practicing over there
3: uh uh, 30 more than usual like a lot like i i I was the i was the third guy it was way way more than before
1: is that just managing rest like helping them manage their rest
3: yeah yeah, that was, that was, uh, it, it became a, a, a real issue. Like I was really concerned about it because it was so much travel and just, uh, keeping them fresh. And I always, that would ask, uh, almost every day, like how they were feeling. And if I felt that, um, uh, it would be beneficial even just to take the, um, like little bits of a drill so they could work really hard at the drill. And then when they would gas out, I could go in as opposed to if I'm just standing there as a coach and, and they're, they're trying to manage their practice. They're not really getting the most out of each drill because they're going 60, 70% trying to just get through practice. Right. So this way it allowed them to go hard on drills and then I could jump in for them and, and just, Relieve them at times, and um, yeah, it's it, uh, at the end no, though. At the end, it really made a difference. I thought for them, and uh, and the the players seemed to like it too. They had a good time with
1: it. A lot of did you show them some old school looks in there, or what?
3: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was actually funny at the end. I just, by the end, you once you start skating, you start to feel a lot better, and it, there was definitely a difference. My, my wind and stuff was still sucky, but I actually started to feel a little bit better.
1: There's a couple pad stacks, make sure they remember how we used to do it?
3: <laughs> yeah. they, they were, The players would get really annoyed at me because i I do the bait, the glove bait, <laughs> all day long. And they would get so mad. Okay, we, so
1: that's a lost art. You give it to them and take, them away, take it away. Oh, it, yeah. it really is a lost art. Do you talk to that? Talk to your goalies about that. Like, you, do you ever try and teach that to yep. young goalies or, or work with some of your goalies on that? Because like you said, in a practice setting, some of the techniques that we've seen disappear. Some of mm-hmm. the mindset, some of the philosophy, they mm-hmm. work. Would they work in a game? Has anybody got the cojones to do it, to show that much glove and take it away? Where, where do you think we're, you know, like where are we at in that crossroads between old and new school? You think, think we need to see some more of that?
3: Well, you can if you were ever to interview uh, any of them, Boots, Cal, Soup, uh, Jeremy, now and uh, Simone. Uh, I I totally teach it. I have no I have no pro- I, don't, I don't care. Other goalie coaches can say whatever they want, but I I teach it.
1: Okay, so After, there's there, there's still there's still definitely still a place for it if you're teaching it. We're not giving away uh, state secrets here
3: uh no you could ask Supi <laughs> uh probably uh, is the the biggest uh advocate he loves using it and uh, but they all do right? and we use it in moderation you know what i mean like it's not like you, you stand off to the side and you just wave your glove but i think it's totally uh, a usable um tool um because these shooters are good man and whatever we can uh, take some advantage away from them. Uh, if we're doing the same thing all the time, things become predictable. And if you take that element out of there, things become a little bit of a question mark for the shooters, and they'll start second guessing themselves. And if you you know, obviously, if you don't have a good glove, then it's something that needs to be worked on. But if you if you know how to catch a pot, and you still can hold your ground, you know, evenly, and then it's last minute just maybe lean a little bit and then you trust me If you see shooters and you do this and you can ask the guys when i go in there, like it happens all the, i do it all the time and you know okay hl shooters i can still get them to do it well we shoot there we've and heard their this. eyes light up
1: because <laughs> they because they see it and you would you see their eyes light up and you're like yeah i got them
3: yeah and you know what i mean like Mine the way I do it, it's a little bit extreme, but you can incorporate it with a new goaltender that plays this good solid game and has a great glove and then just dips a little bit more and holds the hand a little bit in and then they think they got that area. You know what I mean? And Soupy does it all the time.
1: Oh, that's great. Cause we've seen this. This is a conversation I've had with NHL goalies all year. Uh, guys like Robin Lane are talking about, hey, like, like unpredictability matters now. These guys have grown up knowing what the butterfly is, where the holes in are, and how to open up those holes. So showing them a different look has some value, whether it's a one knee down patient save, or like you said, mm-hmm. showing it and taking it away. Secrets to teaching it, is, is there any little tip if we got kids out there right now listening, Dusty, that are like, what is this? What is this show it <laughs> and take it away this man speaks of? How would you teach it?
3: Um you want to really be careful when you when you start to introduce it that the guys aren't really stepping so far off that they're giving tons of net on the bottom and the top but you can literally just drop your knees a little bit a little bit lower and show a little bit up here and just lean keep your feet in the same spot you know yeah and i'm not talking a huge lean but even if you just lean a little bit for just a little bit to this side and weight yourself on your blocker side leg a little bit, they won't even see that. But you can just, it'll just show just enough. You, trust me, these guys, if they see something, <laughs> they'll go for it.
1: Well, and I was just going to say, if you're loading up that blocker side leg, you're, you're you're loading to push in that direction where they shoot as well anyways, right? You're kind of, you're, you're sort of spring loaded to move to that side. And believe me, I believe you, Dusty, because I play on a weekly basis. Now, this is obviously not KHL. It's glorified beer league. But with some guys that played junior and a couple drafted guys, and the goalie at the other end is older than me, and he's exceptional. He does this all the time, and he always tells me, you got to give it to him and then take it away. You got to do this. And I'm just like, I'm like, Billy Morrison's his name. I'm like, Billy, I am just trying my best to stay in the middle of the net here. Don't make, I can't do it but it is a lost art and there is some value there for these kids to learn how to do it properly. They're not all too set in their ways and crappy like me. Clearly, if it works at the highest level, you can teach it. That's good to know.
3: Yeah, no, I, I totally believe in it. You know what? I think it keeps the game fun and you, it's just like we're trying to, uh, when I encourage people to, if they play, find new stuff with the new game or the new teachers, there's, there's value in all of it. Like I don't, uh, Uh, knock some of the newer stuff or anything like that but there's also some value in some of the older things that uh that is like you said been lost and i tell you what the guys don't catch pucks like the as well as these do i know that
1: and there's let's go to that one real quick how do you teach a guy how to catch a puck because i know you've done it you've had guys that are sort of a little rigid maybe and and don't catch a lot of pucks they just get in the way and they're bouncing off the they don't get it in the they're bouncing off palms and bouncing off cuffs and not getting it in the pocket. How, do you, how would you teach a guy to catch a puck?
3: Well, it's a tough thing because lots of guys are growing up with uh, goalie school teachers and, and the goalie school guys are being taught by certain guys. And it, once it once it kind of gets moving, it's hard to stop the snowball. And uh, I think one thing that has been lost is is, is learning how to receive uh because we we've really worked hard on being square to pucks and centered to the puck and and uh and trust me these guys are amazing at, at doing this. The 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 level of these goalies now is incredible. But one of the things they, they lose is everything is so positional and, and I I see a lot of guys being taught how to, you know, uh track the puck really visually and they're, so they're they're doing a lot of this, right? And when they're they're going like towards the puck, when they're trying to catch the puck, and it's tough to catch a puck like that. So you're catching You're moving.
1: You, yeah, your hands moving at it as it's coming at you, as a port, like you said, receiving it, almost absorbing it, pulling yeah. almost back a little bit. Is that a fair description?
3: It's totally, and and it, it, that's one thing about that helped with me actually being on the ice to to kind of show it. Uh, it really kind of. And then I did it with actual players that are on their team and I'm not just have, like they're coming down and ripping it and then receiving the puck. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying you've got to windmill the puck, but it's just let the puck come to you. The other thing too is lots of guys have their hands uh, set up in such a way that it makes it difficult to catch pucks because lots of times they got their hands out here and that's being taught a lot, right? And it's hard when your your elbow is not – uh, cocked, if you will, to kind of receive a puck, if you out like this, right? Straight arms like, with your hands way yeah. out in front.
1: Yeah, for those who can't yeah. see you. Yeah, okay.
3: and, and also the other thing too is, you know, a natural position for your wrist and your glove is like this, right? Straight, yeah. How many guys do you see do this?
1: Right, with the hand open and the arms pulled up. So finger, that fingers up thing, as much as it takes away net visually, it doesn't create a natural catching motion.
3: Not at all. And you watch guys that are really good at catching. You catch them in pictures, and you see shots of Tuca and guys like this. Their palms not facing the the puck. You can't see their mitt. They're like this. If you right. It's, you like right? The, it's like their it's like their
1: fingers are pointing straight out at the yeah, puck. Yeah.
3: Yeah. It's but it's nice and relaxed and cocked and everything's loose and then it just you just kind of catch it right. Yeah, and you, you just receive it, and then so many so many more pucks will go it stay in the mid when you just receive it. I
1: need a lesson, Dusty. It's too bad they've closed all the ice rinks around us here. I need, a, <laughs> believe me, I, know, I need to learn how to catch the puck. Everything just bounces off me like it's a live grenade. Um, Listen, buddy, I, want to, I did want to bring it back because you have been all over. You, you obviously came from, from China. Now, I got to yeah. ask, did, did you ever get your bags back? So you left a set of bags or, uh, in storage at the hotel in China. How were you able to get those back? Because you went to Russia, spent more than a month there, bouncing all over the place. Then you came home. Did, did you recover your stuff? Are guys still having trouble getting stuff out of there or what?
3: This is all stuff from storage here.
1: I, the pink, okay, the Pink Floyd 1973 there. tour was in storage.
3: This in stores here in Canada. Oh, oh, in
1: Canada. So you don't have it.
3: So Still. I'm pulling out all the old stuff because everything is in China.
1: So you bought a bunch of stylish new gear in China and you don't have it. Nothing. <laughs> uh, are you going to get it?
3: I don't know, man. I really don't. I don't know if I want it back.
1: Uh, I guess there's that. I guess there's that. Now, what's it it been like? I mean, you saw, obviously, you left before this took off in China. They evacuated you guys before we hit the levels that have everyone scared now. But bouncing around Europe, uh, in Mm -hmm. Russia, into Finland, and now being back home. Going to L.A. You you did a trip to L.A. You had a chance to see Jack Campbell, uh, who you coached with the Kings. You managed to get down there to see a game uh, where the Leafs were in town. I uh, Got a mm-hmm. chance to catch up with Cal Peterson. So you've been in the States, you've been in California, you've been back here in Vancouver. I guess the biggest irony that tells you where we're at is you and I are doing this over Zoom when we, we're actually physically about 20 blocks away. But <laughs> you know, my family's in a state of self-isolation, so we're doing Zoom instead of yeah, you and yeah. me sitting down over a coffee. What have you seen in terms of the way the world has handled this from China to Russia to here in Vancouver to trips to LA? What, what lessons have you learned? What what do you think of what's going on?
3: It's actually been really interesting. We, we, we talked about it before we started the interview. I, I, when I was over there, I just noticed a real different vibe and, and, and take this with a grain of salt. Like it, it when it was over there and when I was over there, uh, they have a different way of dealing with things in general and it just seemed i didn't notice the the craziness as much that now maybe it was happening but like then we don't watch the news nearly as much over there because we can't understand it so you don't the social media isn't as prevalent over there uh especially if you're not russian and you're you're not reading the russian social media so I didn't notice it as much and you walk around the days going, you know, the league's running everything's fine. Shops are running. People are shopping, no big deal. And then I, uh, I got back here and, uh, it was a totally different vibe. Um, and it, 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 it escalated. It's gone really fast too. And every day seems like one more thing that is happening or getting shut down and, and, the the, the the grocery shopping areas and the it's incredible the stuff that's happening and and people preparing for the worst um and you know what I I'm not knocking it because one thing I will say is you know if we had just kind of been more consistent and dealt with it you know the U S and Canada are very like they're going to get this thing taken care of and they're not messing around uh, so my hat's off to them for that it just seems uh a, a little bit of a panic i i don't like I, I i i will i hope everyone stays calm like things are, i think we'll we'll get this under control and, and everybody's doing their best uh but it just seemed like a different vibe over there that's all, all i all i noticed and it even has me a more concerned now that i'm here even though i, I at, was like
1: at I was, ground zero not quite yeah. but close to it
3: Right, right. Um, more it's freaking me out a little more (laughs) now that i'm in here
1: i'll probably just that we have such an increased awareness here like you said very much panic's not a good thing but awareness and and you know even taking some of these measures like i said i was on my way over to your place and and my wife just said uh hey we're asking our kids not to go hang Mm. out and have coffee and to be careful so so we did this on zoom so um you know, it's I guess if everyone's careful, maybe we can, as as they're talking now, flatten the curve a little bit. I wanted to ask you one more uh, chance to catch up with Jack, and yep. I know you would have been a guy that he would have reached out to when he got traded from from L.A. to, to Toronto. I know how much you mean to him and, and that relationship there. Um, how do you think he's handled it when you got a chance to catch up with him? And also him leaving means a chance for one of your other longtime pupils, Cal Peterson, a guy who mm-hmm. you played a role in getting to the Kings or, you know, t- having mm-hmm. them make sure they targeted him. Uh, how are those two guys handling those new roles and how excited are you? Is it like a sort of proud parent moment kind of thing when you see these guys excel in
3: new places? It was the best. Uh, I was so glad that I went, I, I, I told, I promised them if, if I was out of playoffs and I was back home, then I would come to that game because at the chance that if they both played, that would have been the sickest thing ever. They didn't, they were both riding the pine that night, played the next night, which pissed me off. But anyways, um, it was a great experience. I thought they both uh are handling their roles unbelievably, but I'm so not surprised uh at all. Um I I was a little more anxious for Supi because he was going to literally the fire zone of all fire zones for goalies. Uh but I thought I I, prepared, I helped prepare him and he, I felt he was ready. Four years ago, if he had went there, it, it wouldn't have been a good scenario. But he's ready for it. He's to embrace it. And, and as skeptic as some of the, the media and the, the fans that were in Toronto when it first happened, I think they're starting to figure it out and embracing that guy because he's, he's a genuine article.
1: Um, last one. For you does what does the future hold? I'm not sure what your contract status is. I'm sorry to put you on the spot like this, but um, does the way things ended there I mean, would you be hesitant to go back with all that's going on, or does the fact I mean the fact it's, it's over here now too like like where do, where do you come out at the end of that? like overall, how do you see the experience as difficult as it was? Were there positives there?
3: No, oh, yeah, lots, lots. the guys were awesome. The whole team. I loved all the guys on the team, the coaching staff. Um, there, there are enough positives to go back. Um, as far as back to Beijing, I don't know that team is going to be allowed back. I have heard rumors that uh, the KHL is going to make them relocate, and and there's all kinds of rumors of places, but you know London and these kinds of places uh, have been popping up. Uh, but yeah, I have another year on my contract. Uh, I have an option out. Uh, if an NHL team uh, calls me, I, I said to friends and family and myself, I, I would consider taking a head job. Um, if the place was right, and the money was right. But I'd be honest. I, I and people know this. The NHL itself, the 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 stamp that goes along with it, I don't care about. I, I love coaching. I love coaching in LA. I love in Winnipeg. And but it, being an NHL coach was not a goal of mine. Um, you know, having great challenges and helping people is. And if if being ahead somewhere in the NHL is the right fit. I would consider it a, and come back, and my team in uh, in Coonland knows that. But I, I totally right now as it stands, I'm going to go back, and you know we'll see. Yeah, you know, there's, there's lots, there, there's, lots this, in the air. This, this is some big stuff going on right no, now. Yeah, so.
1: it's not, it's not a priority. Obviously, there are bigger things wow. in the world. So let's just hope that no matter where you end up, it's a place where we still get to talk to you, because because uh, I know there are some NHL teams where that's not possible. I, I'm not naming any names. And we would <laughs> certainly be worse for not having these conversations. Dusty, I know our audience is going to appreciate this, uh, not just because you bring stories from where this all came, but mostly the stories about goaltenders and how you've helped them and some of your philosophies. Look forward to catching up uh, in person over a coffee as this all dies <laughs> down here in White Rock. Um, but thanks, man. Really appreciate it and all the best.
3: Get on, bud.
0: Fascinating, fun, scary, personable, and a real journey with Dusty Emu uh, on this week's uh, feature interview for Ingle Radio, the podcast, and uh, the second timer Hutch as uh, he first joined us an episode mid twenties, uh, I believe, and uh, that covered uh, sort of the, the the first part of his career, which was equally as as fascinating and uh, had twists and turns all over the place.
2: Yeah. I'm a little jealous. Kevin's the guy who gets to spend all the time with Dusty because he's a fascinating individual. We've, we've texted back and forth and tried to set up a chance to meet and it's just never quite worked for schedules. And, uh, you know, talking about schedules for me, that was the highlight of, of today's interview. Just listening to him talk about what that team has gone through in the KHL this season. And those, those travel schedules, just, just insane. Um, it was, it was really fun to listen to that. And I, uh, and just as a person, I want to get to know him because it's a very different approach. You can tell with his goaltenders. I mean, the fact, I mean, it's a wise approach for any leader to try and, uh, you know, understand the people he's working with before he starts to come in and, and ask them to change. But, but the fact that he talks about creating a friendship with these guys above all else uh, is, is not a normal approach for coaches, I don't think. And, and I, I like that he's able to do it that way. I'd like to know more.
1: Well, he talked about that a lot in episode, you said it was 25, right, Hutch, that first interview? 25, yeah. Which I definitely encourage people go to listen to because he is a fascinating guy with lots of great points. You know, if you just listen to this interview and you're not an in-goal premium subscriber, so you haven't had a chance to go watch this, the video form of this, because we did record in Zoom, um, you can hear me because he's describing, when we talked about, you know, the lost art of catching pucks or baiting shooters. He's describing it. I can see him on the video, but I know our listeners can't. So that's why I kept interjecting to sort of describe the hand position that he was illustrating. Um, I would recommend for those that were fascinated by it and want to learn more to check out the video interview where you can see his body language. You can see him leaning to his side and and loading up one leg, demonstrating how he would bait a shooter. See how he holds his hand, how he absorbs pucks, how he teaches young goalies, I shouldn't even say young goalies, goalies, professional goalies who've been playing for 10 years, a guy like Jeremy Smith, um, how to catch pucks? Because a lot of them, in his mind, you know, as the game's gotten more technical, it's become a bit of a lost art. So we tease a little bit of that on Instagram and social media. uh, But for those that would, you know, I think benefit or enjoy checking out the video where you can actually see him describe it, I totally think it's worth it. And it's available now on
0: InGoal Premium. Baiting shooters is a conversation that we could spend an entire episode on just on the, the fundamentals of it, uh, the foundation of it. uh, And, and it used to be something you would bait a shooter if you were really good in a certain area, but now it's, it's a skill that's built into the entire uh, goaltending uh, resume.
2: I used to bait shooters just for protection. Give them that side (laughs) of the net and practice so that you know, it's going there and not hitting you. (laughs) I, I can't do it.
1: Like I you heard, we talked about it on the pod with Dusty. I play down at the other yeah. end as a guy who's a little older and he's always telling me to show something, take it away. And I'm just like, my God, I'm just trying to stay in the middle of the freaking net yeah. down here, man. Take away the middle. But it, but it works. Like I've watched him set these guys up and I've watched, you know, and some of these guys played pro, you know, not, not at the highest level, minor pro. And I watched them come down the wing and I'm like, Oh, as soon as they lower their head, he moves back into the space and they shoot right into it. And you're just like, oh, you guys, come on. But it works. He's so good at it. And I suck so badly at it. It's frustrating to watch, but it's,
0: it's become a bit of a lost art for young goaltenders. Well, it's, it can be a real advantage if, if you can get your head around it. And maybe the psychology of it, which uh, adds to this uh, one episode on baiting shooters idea, uh, might be the most important part if, if you don't believe in it. You're never going to be able to do it, but if you can believe in it, boy, can it, uh, can it help set the table for you and be more proactive uh, than, than reactive? Well, if it's a mental skill, let's be honest, I'm not
1: going to pick up on it because we've established at this point that I am a mental midget anytime I go between the pipes, so
0: that would explain my inability. You do have shortcomings. And many uh the uh the our hearts go out to uh and our our thoughts to uh, those at the hockey shop uh this is uh, new reality that we're, that we're living in and uh and fiscally and uh businesses uh, are struggling because uh, just plain old you you can't function like you normally do you can't go out you can't play our games you can't uh do the things uh you can't work uh as, as you normally would and uh it's no, it's no secret the sports has been uh highly impacted, uh, by, uh, COVID-19 and, uh, and the hockey shop is, is part of that wave that's getting, uh, uh swamped right now, uh, because of, uh, the fact that there's no, no ice to be played on and, uh, it's tough to do your normal routine, buy your gear, tape your sticks, uh, get your skate sharpened, all that, uh, when, when you're not playing the game. And, uh, so we're wishing Cam and everybody over the hockey shop, all the best.
1: Yeah, and uh, so that means that for them, uh, you can check them out uh, at all of their you know, regular social media to get the updates. Uh, last I checked yesterday, and, and things are, as you know, around the world, everything is changing on a daily basis. Literally, as we were coming on the air to record this, uh, they declared a state of emergency in, in BC, and I didn't even have a chance to see whether that affected you know, non-essential businesses. But as of yesterday, the last update from them was that they were going to be going to limited hours. Um, so they will still be open, but only for certain, certain times. Uh, for now, uh, the online hockey shop.com was still going to be functioning. But obviously at a time when you're having to lay off employees and cut back hours, spending money on advertising uh, and the sponsorship of the Ingold podcast is just you know not a priority right now. So we understand that. Uh, we wish them all the best. They're still a great place to go. It's where we would go. It's where we will go when they open up again. Uh, But for the time being, we will not have gear segments uh, brought to you by Cam and the Hockey Shop. We're going to miss those. We will start to dial into some of the new gear that we've been testing ourselves over the past couple of weeks. The gear segment won't go away completely. It'll just be altered a little bit in the short term. We'll start talking about the Bauer Ultrasonic pads that we've been trying. Lots of great features there to love. Um, We've got the CCM Axis coming in. So we'll still have a gear segment here. We're just going to do it a little bit differently. Um, also, the other thing in terms of the hockey shop, we should probably let people know because we spent the last couple of weeks hyping it up. Tandy Fest, um is going to fall victim to the Corona uh, virus. It has been canceled for this year. Uh, I believe they announced that again on their social channels yesterday. So everybody that set the date for May 24th, uh, we're just going to have to put that date back here. We'll do it next year. Can't wait to see everybody. But for now, uh, it's been canceled for this year. And yeah, that's it's too bad because I know for a lot of people, it's a great opportunity to sort of try the latest and greatest gear, and it just means you're going to have to lean into our reviews as we start to publish them a little harder to find out just how that that next set of gear, that next generation from the major manufacturers, what style of game it suits, what type of goalie's going to love it, all those key elements that we try and bring you through our printed uh, online product.
0: You don't remember about Tandy Fest last year? Well, other than Tristan Jari hanging out with us, and then he gets the end goal bump. Was I did I discovered. Power pads and, uh, just, uh, how they sit on your foot. And I was blown away by, uh, just optically how much bigger they, they looked and, uh, and Hutch's stickers in goal stickers that were uh, a big stickers. success at, uh, at our booth. You're, you were, you were right on that and they were so popular.
2: Well, they're Maddie's stickers. Now the orders come in and he processes them and you even get a handwritten thank you note from Maddie. If you order any in stickers now, so it's uh It's fun to be able to make him part of the family with that. I remember the Bauer pad thing as well because I remember people looking at our our demo set there and saying, there's no way those are legal width and actually yeah. holding them up against other pads and they they of course they're legal width. Um, yeah, optically, there's something interesting going on there uh but those uh
0: those at uh the hockey shop is great meeting everybody last year at Tennyfest, and hopefully we can catch up uh, very soon and uh and we'll get through this, we will get through this, uh, together and, uh, and we'll also, uh, help each other out, uh, as we make this journey through the, uh, through the virus scare and, uh, and being safe. Well, one of the I things, just
1: we, sorry, Kutch, uh, I was just to say, one of the things we want to do to help you out is make sure we're bringing you fresh content. I teased pro reads and more NHL goalies. Uh, we're going to try and have as many as, you know, as, as they settle into their new routines, um, reach out through some private channels and some of the numbers we have and make sure we get these guys on the air to. To talk goaltending with us and with you, our listeners, we've already got it set up for next week. Semyon Varlamov, we had an interview with him. We're going to roll that in with a, an interview from a Russian goalie coach that, he, uh, that was here in Vancouver to work with Ian Clark. He brought a bunch of students from Russia with him. Varley went in and talked to them, gave a presentation. His name's Ola Gromashko. So a bit of a, a Russian look at goaltending next week. Doubleheader, Semyon Varlamov and Russian goaltending coach Oleg Gromashko. That should be a fun one. Sibla.
2: Hi <laughs> right, guys, I was just, just going to add, you know, as we're, as we're giving our thoughts out to our friends at the hockey shop, uh, of course, this is affecting economically a, a whole lot of people in, in the goalie union and goalie nation. Um, our thoughts go out to all of the coaches that are being severely impacted at this time of year, uh, having to cancel camps, having to cancel uh, lessons, uh, all of our listeners uh, who are being affected economically. I, I, we know a lot of people are losing jobs right now. And, uh, and we feel for all of them and we hope that, uh, you know, our little bit of time, we're able to, to provide you a little bit of enjoyment on the goalie side as you uh, listen to the podcast and, and we wish you all well.
0: Yeah, the journey will continue, albeit uh, on a slightly different path at a slightly different pace, but uh, your education is here. Your entertainment uh, source is also here as we, uh, we will bring you the content uh, from the goalie union. For David Hutchison and Kevin Woodley, I'm Darren Millard. Thanks for listening. We'll chat with you again next week on In Goal Radio, the podcast.